It's uh, very good to be back with you in the great state of Texas and the great country of America, the United States. Uh, last week I was down in Guanajuato, Mexico uh, with our missionaries, the Perez family, and uh, ministering down there. Had a fantastic time with there. Got to see the building that God is using them, the church building that's build, being built by faith. Many of you have given towards that building going up. I want to tell you there's a building there that that church family is going to have a home very soon. The four walls. Amen. Amen. And so I was down there last Sunday with them to celebrate as they're moving in. And uh, I had the great honor of preaching the first message in that uh, new building. And so it was a great time together. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done on that. And I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more uh, today during our announcements opportunity that you have to continue to partner with the Perez family and to see God's work completed in that city. So last Sunday, my good friend um, Paul Mason was here. How many of you enjoyed having Pastor Paul here? He did a really good job bringing you uh, the word, and I just heard really great reports of, of everything that he shared. Um, now, here's something that's very cool. Um, he asked me, he said, what should I speak about? And I said, brother, just let the Lord lead you. Just let the Lord lead you. And, and so the Lord led him to speak on, remember he talked about Abraham and Isaac and um, the sacrifice that God asked Abraham to make and how Abraham viewed that as worship unto God. How many of you remember that? Yeah, powerful message. Now, what Paul did not know was that at Destiny, we've been planning that over the summer, we were going to spend the summer uh, months walking through a series of, of messages teaching on worship and prayer. And so he, I, I was kind of shocked as um, Sunday afternoon when I got back to where I was staying, I got on Facebook and I was like, whoa, what sort of heresy did my friend teach? I want to make sure that he's... <laughs> you know, teaching the word of God. And so I got on there to see, and I was shocked that, that he had taught on the, the very same ideas and the very same themes that we're going to be moving into and covering uh, as we go into the summer. And that's just God. You know, God just puts things together like that, that is just incredible. And so we thank the Lord for that. It's a God thing. And so we're going to pick up today right where Pastor Paul left off. And we're going to drill down a little bit deeper on these ideas of worship and sacrifice. Can you say worship? worship. And sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Now, if you, if you have your Bibles today, you want to open to a passage of Scripture. Uh, John chapter 14, we're going to be reading some verses from there. Uh, but we're also going to be going through uh, several other passages today. I believe I've put most of them on the screen for you uh, today. Um, if you don't have a Bible today, you can grab one on the way out. One of our ushers will be happy to give you one. Or if you visit the Connect desk in the back of the auditorium, we want everybody to have a Bible. You can grab one on the way out. Take it home. It's our gift to you. How many of you know that we as Christians, we need the Word of God in our lives? Amen. And so uh, you can grab one on your way out. So John chapter 14, and the theme is worship and Sacrifice. Let's say that again. Worship and 
sacrifice. And then today we're going to conclude by taking uh, the Lord's Supper today, communion, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on our behalf. I'm going to be glad that Jesus was willing to sacrifice for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for, Lord, the ability to come together as your church family, to come together as the family of God, as, as the people of God. Lord, we are your people today because you have called us. Lord, your word says you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We thank you for the light of Jesus Christ, that light that gives life to us today. We thank you that you have illuminated our understanding, that you have revealed to us the truth, the truth of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that was not revealed to us by flesh and blood, but it was revealed to us by your spirit. You have opened up our eyes today to see that Jesus is the Son of God. We thank you for that work of faith and salvation in our lives. But we thank you for the time of prayer that we've already had here today. But we do believe in faith that you have, you have touched hearts, that you have begun to heal souls today. We thank you for that. Lord, as we spend some time in your word today, Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts to receive from you. Lord, we want everything that you have for us because we know that it is good. But we want to go deeper today. We want to have a deeper walk with you, a deeper relationship with you, a deeper fellowship with you. Lord, a faith that doesn't only exist between 1030 and noon on Sundays, but a, a walk with you that's all day, every day, 24-7, 365. Lord, I thank you that through your son Jesus, we can walk with you. Lord, what was lost with Adam in, because of sin in the garden, you have restored on the cross. Lord, that we can walk with you each and every day. Help us, Lord, to, to live that life of, of worship, to live a life of sacrifice, to live a life of fellowship with you. To the praise of your name, the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. It's in that name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you. I want to start today by asking you a series of questions, um, and you will be graded on this. I want you to know that. The ushers are on the back taking your grades. You can pick them up on your way out. God is also grading you, so, you know, be careful. No, I'm just kidding. You're not going to be graded on this series of questions. I want to talk, I want to talk about these themes of worship and sacrifice, the connection between them. I want to start by asking you this question. What is worship what is worship you know we talk a lot about worship we come to church every Sunday most of us do come to church every I do anyway come to church every Sunday to worship right that's why we're here today right to worship the Lord but if somebody said to you out on the street, well, why do you go to church all the time? Is it a cult? Are they brainwashing you? What are you doing in there? Well, we go to worship, really. And they said to you, well, what is worship? What would you say? What is worship? Can you define it? You're, uh, you're here today to worship. 
How do you know if you've worshipped or not? When you leave this place and you head out to your car, which will be 150 degrees, <laughs> you sweat all the way to the restaurant and you go get your enchiladas or your Chinese food or Italian or whatever you're eating today. How do you know if you've worshipped God? Well, let's define it today. The, dif the, the, the dictionary definition of worship is to express reverence and adoration to God. That is worship. To express reverence and adoration to God. Have you done that today? I'm, that's not a trick question, okay? Some of you are like, I don't know. Have I done that? Have I not? Now, what does it mean when you adore something? That's a really important word in this definition of worship. What does it mean if you adore something? You say to your husband or your wife, I adore you. Adoration, adore, that word means deep love and respect. So worship is the expression of our reverence to God. Reverence is saying, God, you are very high and exalted. You are who you say you are. You are the creator God. You created me. You created my life. You gave me life. That's that reverent part. And then the adoration part. That is love. Do you love God today? Yes. Amen. Now, this is the definition of worship. To express reverence and love for God. Now, how do you express love for God? How do you express love for God? Well, how do you express love for other people? Let's start there. How do you express love for other people? Some, uh, everyone is saying through your actions. I thought, I thought if you just told somebody I love you, that's not enough? No. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I've got some work to do. Love is invisible, right? But we can express our love. We can make our love visible. You know, I think the best way to learn how to express our love for God is to look at God's expression of love for us. Right? Who, who loves better than God? No one. So if we're going to learn how to love God and express our love for God, we need to not just look at earthly examples. We should look at God's example of expressed love for us. And how has God shown us his love? 1 John 4, 9 and 10. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest or expressed that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that word means atoning sacrifice for our sins. The apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 5.8. He said, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. That God showed or expressed or manifested his love for us. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I really believe it to be true. And that is that genuine love will always be expressed. That love, if it is real and if it is genuine, it, it cannot be bottled up forever. That eventually, if it is true, if it is genuine, if it is real, it will overflow into an expression of love, into a manifestation of love. And here we see that God expresses his love in action. It's, it's demonstrated through not just word, but through deed. It's demonstrated through action. And this is how God has showed his love for us. And so it is not enough to simply say, I love you. It must be demonstrated with action, correct? So if I say I love my wife, which I do, and I tell her, it's not, well, I told her on our wedding day and that should be good enough, you know. <laughs> I, I try to tell her I love her every day. There might be days that I forget, but I, I think I get it most days, right? She's shaking her head yes at me. So yes, good, okay, wonderful. Whew. But it's not simply enough to say I love you. I can't say I love you but not provide for her. I can't say I love her and talk down to her. I can't say I love her and belittle her. I can't say I love her and not protect her. I can't say that I love her if I am unfaithful to her. Because love is not expressed only in words. Love is truly expressed in actions. And so if we looked at a husband who was belittling to his wife, talked down to his wife, yelled at his wife, and was unfaithful to his wife, would we say that that was a husband who loved his wife? No matter what words come out of his mouth, what ultimately matters is the actions that flow from his heart. Amen. Amen. And it's the same way with God's love for us, that God showed his love to us in that he took action, that he came, that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And so now the question is, well, how do we love God? How do we express our worship? Because worship is expressed love to God. How do we express it to God? Well, the great, the great um, thing is that Jesus told us how to express our love for him. We don't have to go make it up on our own. Jesus told us how to show our love for him. He told us how to worship him. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, worship is expressed Love. Are you, are you tracking with me? Worship is love expressed for God. And Jesus tells us how he wants us to express our love for him. How does he want us to express our love for him? Keeping his commandments. So if someone who keeps the Lord's commandments, we can say, 
that they do it out of love for him, right? Amen. That's what that verse is saying. That's a very simple verse to understand, right? It's not complicated here. This isn't very deep. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. I can't tell you how many times I've looked my children in the face, in the eyes, and gotten down on their knees and said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Right? Don't you love me? Just go to bed. Don't you love me? <laughs> now, looking at this verse, what can we say about the person who doesn't keep the Lord's commandments? It's getting really quiet in here. If, if people who love God keep his commandments, people who don't keep his commandments don't love God. Pastor, that's harsh. Well, I didn't make this up. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. If you've got a problem with that, you've got a problem not with me, with the person who said these words, which is the Lord Jesus. Now, all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned. All of us have broken God's commandments. And 1 John, the same writer of this, he writes that if we do sin, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who's interceding for us on our behalf. He, he's standing in the gap between the Father and us, that we are connected to God through his sacrifice for us. But what Jesus is saying is that as we are his people, that we should be living a life that endeavors to keep his word. That, that that should be a high priority in our lives as Christians to keep Jesus' commands and what he taught. Amen. Amen. Some of you are saying, well, that's just one verse, Pastor. You're pulling that out of context and that's probably not what it really means in the Greek, you know. You can't build this whole idea off of one verse. You're right. So let me fill up the screen with a bunch of other verses. Just so you can see the context here of John chapter 14. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Amen. 2 John 1, 6, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. Now I could keep going and going and going and going but do you, do, you, do you pick up on a theme here? Is there like a central idea to, to what Jesus is saying? You know, if you repeat yourself 
over and over and over. I'm not a master at communication, but if you want to get your point across, a very effective way is to just say it again and again and again and again, and maybe they'll get the idea. And Jesus here has said over and over and over again that our love for him should be expressed in keeping his word, in living according to his word. That this is a lifestyle of worship. And this is what I want you to see. Not that you have to be perfect. We'll never be perfect. We, we will always fall short. But I want you to see that worshiping God requires much, much more. That, that to be a worshiper of God, it, it requires much, much more than attending a worship service or singing songs. Now, now, those are, are expressions of worship, and they're very important, and they're a part of worship. But the complete picture of worship, it is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of obedience unto God. The complete picture of worshiping God is bigger than the 90 minutes or so we spend here on Sunday morning. How you live your life is how you worship God. How you live your life is how you worship God. Paul writes in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your spiritual act of worship, that we present to God all of our lives, and the Bible calls that worship. So how is your worship? I really believe that, that obedience to God equals worship. That, that when we read his word, when we read his commands, and we exercise our will, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we obey him, that that is what the Bible calls worship. Worship equals obedience, and so it is a, a lifestyle, a day in, a day out life of worship to be lived unto God. And here's the thing about God, that if we're going to obey him, it always requires this word, sacrifice. To obey God is going to require that I sacrifice my flesh, my desires, what I want to do. How many of you have found that sometimes you want to do things that God's word says, you know what, don't do those things? If, if we're honest, we, we look in the mirror, we see that God's word teaches us to live this way. But yet inside of me, there's something that wants to live a different way. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. This, this war that goes on in our souls between the Holy Spirit, which is alive inside of us, and our flesh, which has been corrupted because of sin. That there's this battle that, that rages and that 
for me to obey God, there, there must be this, this sacrifice. There, there must be this, I don't, this, what Paul calls the mortification of the flesh, the, the killing of that sinful part of me. That me, along with the Holy Spirit, we put those desires to death. That's what's called sacrifice. Now, I want to give you some examples from the Old Testament. I want to walk you through here for a couple moments examples of, of worship and sacrifice going hand in hand. That, that, that really, that they're the same idea, that really they're the, the same thing of, of worship and sacrifice. And if, if you're not familiar with some of these examples, that's okay. You can go read about them later. I'll put the, the reference up there for you. But I want to talk to you again about worship and sacrifice. And so the first one we're going to look at is Cain and Abel. This is right at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. These two brothers, they bring a sacrifice to God. These two brothers, they come to worship God and they bring two different sacrifices. Abel's sacrifice, it says that he brought... Um, the firstborn from his flock. He, he brought a lamb to God. He offered that up to God as a sacrifice. It was a, a firstborn offering or a first fruits offering. What that means is that Abel brought his first and his best. And God accepted Abel's offering. Now, his brother Cain did not bring a first fruits offering. I don't believe that Cain brought his first and his best. It says that he, Cain brought fruits and vegetables to the Lord. And I, I just, it doesn't say that he brought his first fruits. I think he brought kind of that moldy stuff that had died at the bottom of the refrigerator six months ago. And, you know, maybe God can do something with this. Cain uh, did not bring his first and his best. Abel brought his first and his best. God received Abel's offering and God rejected Cain's offering. We see in Genesis 22, as the story of Genesis progresses, and we saw, you guys learned about this last week, that Abraham, God had asked Abraham to, to make a sacrifice to him. And what he wanted from Abraham was the thing he loved the most. And it was a test of Abraham's faith. You know, sometimes God will ask you to sacrifice something as a test of your faith. You know, we walk out our salvation with the Lord. And sometimes God will ask things of us that he's not asking of other people. Sometimes God will call you in, into, into a season of sacrifice, into a season of of prayer into a season of fasting and into a season of, of putting away distractions that he's not asking other people to do. And you can look around and say, well, they're living that way and they love the Lord and God's moving in their life and they're not sacrificing these things. And there was an example in, in the New Testament where um, Jesus told Peter, this is how you're going to sacrifice for me. And Peter said, well, what about John? What's, that's how I have to sacrifice for you. Well, what about him? 
And Jesus said to Peter, who cares about what's going on with me and him? You need to be concerned about what's going on with me and you. I believe that there, are, there God will call on you. He, he will lead you into a season of sacrifice that he might not be asking other people to do. And, and we can't look at other people and be like, well, they're not making those sacrifices, so I don't have to either. You know, we, we need to be concerned about what God has asked us to do. Amen? And, and let God deal with everybody else where he has them. Because we're all at different places, different stages in our walk with the Lord. And so God asked Abraham as a test of his faith to come and to bring his son Isaac. And it tells us from the very beginning that this was always a test, that God was never going to require this of Abraham, but that Abraham passed the test. You learned about that last week. And ultimately that foreshadows the sacrifice of God the Father offering up his son Jesus for our sin. But Abraham called his sacrifice Worship. Worship and sacrifice go hand in hand. Another example I want to show you is King David. King David in 2 Samuel chapter 24 was going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And he was going to purchase a, a, a place, a plot of land to offer this sacrifice to God. It's actually now where the Temple Mount is in Jerusalem. It's called Mount Moriah. It's also the same place where Abraham offered up Isaac. Anyway, so King David goes to the owner of this plot of land and says, I want to purchase this land to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And the man says, look, just take it. You're the king. I, I want to give it to you. And David says this, I will not offer to the Lord something that does not cost me anything. He says, I have to buy this land for you. I have to pay for it. Because for there to be genuine worship here, it requires me to give. It requires me to sacrifice. For there to be worship in your life, it requires sacrifice. King David knew that. King David understood that. In the book of Malachi... We see that the people of Israel are offering up to God sacrifices, but they're not bringing their first fruits. They're not bringing their first and their best. They're bringing their lame, their sick, their blind and diseased animals to the Lord. And, and they're, they're thinking and they're acting like they're doing, they're, they're, they're worshiping God. And how many of you know it, it's not about the, the sacrifice, it's actually about the heart. And on a, a heart that will bring to God something that is lame, something that is diseased, something that is sick, not your first, not your best, what, that, that says a lot less about you know, these poor animals that need to see a veterinarian and a lot more about the people's hearts that need to be changed by God. God says your, your sacrifices... The, the, you're not worshiping me. Yeah, yeah, you're making a sacrifice, but you're not giving me your first and you're not giving me your best. So it's really not worship. It's really not sacrifice. You know, sometimes we can come to church and we can sing the songs 
and we can hear the word, but if it's not coming from our heart of purity to God, of, of genuine love for God, we really haven't worshipped God. See, worship comes from the heart. Jesus said that the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's from this genuineness of your heart. And yes, we can put on a show. You know, I can raise my hands for the whole worship service. I can sing louder. I can clap harder. I can jump higher. But you can do all of those things and be far from God in your heart. God looks at the heart. Everybody else looks at the outward appearance, but we look at the, God looks at the heart. And so worship that is pleasing to God, worship that is acceptable to God, it requires, uh, it requires a sacrifice, it requires obedience, it requires spirit and truth, genuine love for God. And I'm thankful that I believe Destiny Church is a church that is full of people who come Sunday after Sunday to offer spiritual sacrifices to the Lord from a genuine place in your heart. I believe that's why you're here. I believe that's why you come week after week to meet with the Lord and to worship Him. Amen. Now, consistent through all the Bible, I could give you a lot more examples is this idea that as we express love for God, that as we worship God, that it is accompanied and accomplished through sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that we earn our right standing before God through our acts of sacrifice and worship. I am not saying that. Hear me in this. Salvation is a free gift from God. My right standing before God is not based on my expression of worship or how well I worship or how much, I've, uh, how much I sacrifice. I could never sacrifice enough to make myself right with God. Salvation is a gift of grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. God gives it to you because he loves you. Now, having been saved, having received this grace, it should result in this unstoppable force of love and gratitude for the God who saved me. And so I'm talking about giving expression to the love you have in your heart for God, for the work of grace that he's done in your life. And that's not earning your salvation. That's letting go of your old life, your old ways, your old habits, your old thoughts, your life of death, and embracing the life that God has for you. And there are many different ways to express this idea. Jesus said, unless a man takes up his cross daily, he cannot follow me. That if you would save your life in this world, you'll actually lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, that you will save it. Right, Paul says, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Right, that's him sacrificing his own will, his own emotions, his own desires. I've been crucified with Christ. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the power of the Son of God who gave himself for me. All of you have been called to live that life. 
All of you have been called to say, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I now live in the power of the Son of God who is at work inside me. When we take of communion, that's what we're saying. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm sharing in Christ's atoning death. And I'm not living my life in my own strength. I'm not living my life in my own power, but by God's power that's at work inside of me. Let's look at Jesus. How about Jesus as an example of worship and sacrifice? Jesus, who went to the cross willingly. Jesus, who willingly laid down his own life in obedience to the Father. Who went and suffered and died so that we could be saved. That our sins could be washed clean by his blood. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us that we as Christians should look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did Jesus make the sacrifice? Because he saw joy on the other side of it. What was the joy that Jesus saw on the other side of the cross? He saw you, he saw me, and he saw you. That's the joy that he saw. He saw us set free, redeemed, living for him, worshiping him, no longer slaves to sin and death, and now partakers of his eternal life. That was the joy he saw set before him. It says that he uh, endured the cross for the joy set before him, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When I make a sacrifice for God, the end result is always joy. When you make a sacrifice for God, the end result is always joy. There is joy on the other side of the sacrifice. Joy unexplicable, joy unexplainable. You know, I don't know if you've ever read, I don't know if you've ever read the accounts of people who have been martyred for their faith. You know, you can, you can read through church history people who have literally, literally sacrificed their life for God and for the gospel. Men and women who have been brutally beaten, brutally murdered, burned at the stake, run through with swords, just incredible sacrifice. But th this amazing thing, when you read these accounts, do you know what they all share in common? That in their greatest moment of suffering, that they're singing praises to God. That, that there comes upon them that this joy, sharing in the sacrifice of Christ, that, that is, it, it boggles the mind to read these accounts. I want you to know that on the, on the other side of every sacrifice is a joy that is unexplainable, a joy that is inexplicable. And so I want you to sacrifice more. 
Now, does that make the sacrifice easy in the moment? No, of course not. But the result is always worth it. What, what you receive in return from God for whatever sacrifice you offer in worship, it is so much bigger. It is so much greater. God is not going to be any person's debtor. You cannot hold God in your debt. Whatever you sacrifice for him, he pours out upon you a hundredfold, a thousand times more. When you sacrifice for God, you always come out ahead. Whatever I give up for God, I receive something else back exponentially in return. And that's just the way God is. That's who he is. So if God is calling upon you to, to lay something aside, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a pattern of life, maybe it's a culture you grew up with that God is saying, it's time to move beyond that. It's time to leave that behind. Maybe God's calling you into a deeper level of, of service to others, more time. Maybe God's calling you to put away some entertainment for the sake of knowing him. Maybe God's calling you to be an intercessor to stand in the gap, to, to get up at 4 a.m. And, and pray for two hours before the sun comes up. Whatever it is that God's calling on you to sacrifice, I want to tell you there is joy on the other side of it. It so much outweighs whatever it is we have to give up. So, worship. Let me, let me just say something about our gatherings together, corporate worship as we come together. There's this idea that obeying God is worship, that a lifestyle of, of worship uh, lived unto God. Th does that somehow diminish the importance of us coming together and gathering together for worship? No. If anything, it actually elevates the importance of that because God's word teaches us that we as Christians that we should come together often and regularly, that this is actually very important. And so part of me obeying God, part of me worshiping God, is to actually come to a worship service with God's people. It elevates the importance of it. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, how do you love the Lord with your soul? Your soul is made up of three things. Your mind, that's your thought life. Your will, that's your obedience. Your mind, your will, and what's the third part of your soul? Emotions. How in the world do you love God with your emotions? How in the world do you express your emotions to God? The best way I know to express my emotions to God is to sing songs of praises to him. Me singing worship to God, giving voice to what's in my heart through song is how I love God with my emotions. How do you love your spouse with your emotions? It's the expression of your mouth. How do we love God with our emotions? It's the expression of our mouth. It's the singing of praises unto him. It's incredibly important. When, when we come together, corporate worship is a time where our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions, they're, they're realigned. It's like a spiritual tune-up. 
We're out there in the world being bombarded with the lies of the enemy, the attack of the enemy, 24-7. When we come to this place, this is a sacred place where God's people come together and God's spirit moves and our minds, our thoughts are realigned, our will is strengthened to live for God and our emotions are set right through worship together. It's incredibly important. So part of a lifestyle of worship is coming and gathering with the saints, the people of God, and expressing, giving, giving voice to, giving language to the worship that's in your heart. So conclusion today, what does a lifestyle of worship look like for you? What does it look like for you today? What is God's putting God's commands into practice in your life. How does that look for you, for your life, for where you're at? What does it look like for you to bring to God your first fruits, your first and your best? What does that look like for you and for your family? What is God asking you to sacrifice for him as an act of worship? These are some challenging questions, amen? I want to challenge you today to, to press in further into God. I believe God has another level for you, another level of effectiveness in his kingdom, another level of, of power in the Holy Spirit. The pathway is to press into a deeper walk with him. I want to challenge you to do that. The pathway, I believe, is sacrifice. So I want to encourage you to sacrifice more. I want to encourage you to give more. I want to encourage you to serve more. Because I know that in doing so, you will receive more of God. More joy. More love. More healing. Amen. Now, we remember... That what makes all of this possible is Jesus' sacrifice for us. We cannot love God unless he first loved us. And so right now we're going to spend a few moments remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us as we take in communion. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come and prepare and the worship team to come. And while they come, would you do this? Would you just take a moment? Would you bow your head with me? I want to pray for you today. I want to ask you, how, how is God speaking to your heart today? What is, God, what is the Holy Spirit quickening to you, pricking your heart, re revealing to you? I, I believe that I believe that God has spoken to hearts today. I do believe that. Where, where is he, he leading you into a deeper level of, of sacrifice, a deeper level of, of giving, of serving, of, of obeying him, of trusting in him? It's all done by faith. As you come today, I, I want you to come to this front that we call the altar. The altar is a place of sacrifice.
So as you, you come to the altar today, you come to partake of Jesus' sacrifice, his broken body and his shed blood. As you come and, and receive of him, I want you to come and if God's laid something on your heart, I want you to leave that up here today. The thing that God's asked you to, to lay aside, the thing that God's asked you to, to sacrifice. When, when you come and take the, the bread and the juice today, leave that other thing up here. We see that on the other side of sacrifices is joy, is blessing, is healing. And I know that on the other side of your sacrifice, there will be joy and blessing and healing today.